It's that time again. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Big Scoop podcast. So thank you very much for downloading this episode and thanks for coming back. Give us another shot. This is episode four and welcome. So with no further ado, let's carry on with the episode four. So as you can probably tell, it probably sound a little bit different because like everyone else we are recording remotely and relying on the modern technology of zoom to help us out and create this episode for you on the line we've got Gemma. hello so everyone between us we're going to work our way through this episode we've got some guests coming up um, but just before before we really start i think it's fair to say you know as we are recording remotely and we want to pay respect to everybody who's going through the coronavirus uh, as we speak all around the world everybody you know a lot of people are being affected by it and most of the U- most of the world and including the uk are currently in lockdown situation and we're going to do our best to carry on recording and get some episodes out there we've got some guests lined up but we want to do is try and make the most of these episodes so um, we're not we're no experts in the whole corona virus thing so it's we'd like what we'd like to do is say you know we wish everybody um the best and we keep well, we all keep well and fit and healthy but for these episodes we talk about the diving and we actually part the coronavirus to one side and we just carry on you know and i think you know, rather than and us spending every episode talking about that that we carry on talk about diving and we look forward to getting back in the water in happier times so yeah. um, bear with us you know and we'll do the best that we can in this current situation that's what, what i've got to say on the corona Gemma. What, yeah what just to say that we're obviously both in lockdown so we've got plenty of time on our hands and obviously want to bring you as many episodes as we can through this time and keep you entertained with all diving related matters but hopefully put a smile on your face bring you a few sort of light-hearted moments yeah so i'm in bungie headquarters and you're in pakefield <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today to listen to us and obviously downloading us. It's very much appreciated by the three of us. We would like to clarify that we are in no way affiliated with any agency or organisation and that also means all opinions expressed in this episode are our own. You are more than welcome to make comments about the show or if you have any suggestions on topics for future episodes then do send us a message via social media platforms or email. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Big Scuba and on Twitter, the underscore big underscore scuba. Check out our Facebook shop where we now have bespoke Big Scuba podcast hoodies for sale. And thank you to all those that have already placed their orders. Our email address is thebigscubapodcast at gmail.com and we will respond pretty promptly. And if you'd like to support us via Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash the big scuba podcast. Here you can make a monthly subscription and you'll benefit from behind the scene outtakes, some dioramas, information to follow on that soon, early releases of episodes and other big scuba merchandise and more and more. So any contributions are really appreciated by the three of us. So biggest thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you all soon via social media, email or the Patreon site. 
Our music is kindly supplied by a local band to us called Telling Truths and you can listen to them more via iTunes and Spotify. So in last episode, Gemma, you spoke about the new marine species found in the Mariana Trench. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I discussed the plastic that's found in the lake uh, high up near Snowden. And Becky told us about how instructors in the sea world in California were no longer going to be standing on the dolphins' noses anymore. So, and so that was a big plus. We also uh, went through what we saw at the Go Diving show. We went to back in February, which I mean, seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? It seems a long time ago yes the whole scale of things it's not so coming up in this episode is the usual news Gemma you've gone to got some news on a pink dolphin I believe and a pink manta yes I've got some news on some online training which is uh, coming up for anybody and it's free which is all good we like free stuff and also uh, we've got three really good uh, really exciting guests uh, to talk about their diving and the things that they've been up to so get into that as well so this episode so uh, news items, let's talk about, Emma, what news have you got? Um, well, mine's about pink, so a pink dolphin and a pink manta, and they're, they're real, they're live. As you've got your pink, big, fast jumper on, very nice. Yeah, this um, pink dolphin, it, it has been spotted for a number of years, um, and it kind of resides or appears in the brackish waters of Lake Calcutchew in Louisiana in the USA. Um, so yeah, it, it just has been named Pinky. Um, no way. <laughs> yes, Pinky. Um, so she's been caught on camera a few times. So there's plenty of right. pictures of her on YouTube, and it is quite. She is quite pink, not bright pink, but a, a nice pale pink. Quite pretty. I want to call it something more surreal, like bluey, maybe something like that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's the whole point. Well, maybe like rose or something a bit more. Anyway, it's called Pinky. Moving um, on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> and, and the reason why she is pink, it's to do with the lack of pigment in her makeup. It's kind of a mutant genetic thing. It's a bit like um, albino, the humans. You know, she's fully active. Quite recently, they've seen her with a calf and her calf is pink as well. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, so it's obviously a, a freak of nature, um, but you know, there's probably more out there, but it's obviously if she's in that environment where she can be spotted. And then outside of that, it's not just dolphins that have been in the news that have been pink. Wow. Um, just recently on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, g'day. Um, <laughs> g'day, g'day. Um, there's a, a manta ray has been photographed and it's obviously thought to be the most rarest of its kind because of its colour and it really is a much more pink pink than the dolphin yeah it's been dubbed Inspector Cluso that's its name it's been given oh, Inspector Cluso is it it's the pink panther um, oh I like it yeah, cool. <laughs> so it's yeah slightly different to pinky um, but I was just amazed at the size of it. It's got a seven metre wide um, wingspan. Wow. Um, and, they, and they think it weighs two tonnes, which is quite large for a manta ray, apparently. I'd say. Yeah. So it has been spotted around about 10 times since two, 2015. So that is big, isn't it? Seven metres across. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine yeah. an aeroplane flying over you? But again, it's to do with a genetic mutation 
um, affects the colouring in the skin because most mantas are usually black, white, or black and white. Yeah. Obviously, spotting this pink one is um, yeah quite rare. So that'd be awesome to see, wouldn't it? Pink this brought to the world. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any animals that are pink otherwise. Uh, well, you do get like cuttlefish. Mm. I don't think they're actually pink as such, but they do change. Well, just flamingos on the land. Flamingos. Yeah. You don't get pink cows. Or... Maybe our listeners can write in with some uh, other pink they've been out. Like in some pink fish, or you know, mm. maybe in seeing the pink dolphin or the pink uh, ray. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's obviously, you know, it's just something a bit, yeah, sort of lighthearted in this, yeah, world. But so what news have you got? Okay, my news is about online training. The Natural Archaeological Society is set to present a series of 12 free online lunchtime talks. Build a mm -hmm. self-educating while self-isolating. That's good. Yeah, is it wants to share important work being undertaken in our discipline, i.e. diving, with the wider world and give everyone something exciting to learn about while we're all stuck at home. Mm. So it's a free thing. Inspired by the TED Talks. Now, TED Talks are a non-profit organisation who are devoted to spreading ideas using the form of short, powerful talks, like uh, 18, 20 minutes. They've been going for like, the last sort of 30 years, something like that. And they, they'll talk about business and other all sorts mm. of things. So that's the TED Talk. This talk is going to be something similar where they'll get different people in they'll be talking and uh, they'll talk about over the pre online presentation for like half an hour and they start at half past 12 on this coming Tuesday. So they're a, a reasonable length for people to fit into their day? Yeah, so they are like half an hour. Um, they've got a range of speakers lined up on topics related to underwater archaeology. Arche you have trouble with that word, don't you? Yes, maritime heritage, foreshore archaeology, and anything wet and old and interesting. Their words, not mine. And this is by the, as I said, the nautical archaeology. Archaeological? Yes. <laughs> we should have swapped news items. <laughs> well, so you can talk yeah, about pinkies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so uh, this is going, this is going ahead on 31st of March, this coming Tuesday, up at 12, be there. Mm, that's interesting. One of many different things we can be doing online. I think um, while we're at home stuck here, we might as well and further ourselves and learn new skills. Yeah, make know, the most of the time. We want to come out of this so that we've learned something and not just been uh, cruising. I think it's going to be... A good few weeks or faces on, rather than stuffing our faces on crisps and drinking and stuff. So you can register, it's all free, there's no charge. And you know, they're going back to some by the looks of it. One of the things they've got coming up is the historic wreck in 19 in 1665. It's like really interesting. So go to their website, it's the Nautical Archaeological Society, uh, and we will be given links to this. Um, in the credits for this podcast yeah and i'll probably post it in um like a instagram story or a facebook story with a link as well so that you can yeah keep on top of that through the week yeah also not just uh these guys but out there for anyone who's interested you know there's at the moment i can think of quite a few people at the moment instructors that we know 
helping people keep fit during this time even online fitness and coaching Mm. Uh, when it comes to fitness and health which is really important and also just generally keeping fit helps with diving also there's um, if you go on the open university there's online courses about sustainability of fish you can learn about that you can and do they're all the open university ones are free as well so exactly. emphasize that so it's not going to cost you anything you know there's the opportunity to learn some new things and obviously get some kind of qualification or some kind of certificate at the end of it yeah and there's all, all that i think there's a, quite a few other colleges that i've seen uh, advertising free educational courses as well during this time mm-hmm. so while we're all at home um and some of us are work and some of us are not you know, we might have to use this time and for the, for the better good. I encourage anyone to online and um, download some courses, really. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. If any of the listeners have got any other ideas of what they're doing, how they're sort of keeping up to date with their diving skills online or doing any other courses, then let us know so that we can then share that with the rest of the listeners. So it might you know, be beneficial for all of us. Yeah. And um, that's my news. Gemma, what what you been up to? Um, well, since the last episode, obviously I finished my open water pool sessions, did the final exam, and was due to do my dry suit orientation in the pool week after next. But the dive centres have obviously all shut down now, so that's all a bit on hold. Yeah, it's just a case of keeping up to date with watching YouTube videos, um, going on the Paddy site. That that's the agency that I'm studying with, just to keep them in touch with the skills that I've learnt and obviously until the dive centres and the dive sites reopen then my open water journey is a little bit on hold at the moment. Well it is and uh, we're all in the same boat at the moment. Mm. I'm on quite a few Facebook groups and there's quite a lot of people posting all around the world. We are very much all in the same boat. <laughs> I think we've all yeah just got to look upon it as a positive you know positively and obviously keep up to date with our skills you know read the books again and hopefully yeah when this is all over we'll be ready and raring to go again well it is yeah and you're ready to go aren't you so you know that'll be good when that time comes around so working on uh, with honey getting our dive ramas sorted honey's been put, put getting everything all in the picture frames how she wanted it and she's been uh, doing that and i give us giving her a hand done really well they look right don't they brilliant and if our patrons that join up have a look and there's we're on youtube with that as well and you'll see what we're talking about when we're talking about dive diveramas giveaway so diveramas yeah and they'll come feature more as the as we build the podcast become more of a feature we looked forward to giving more of them away really yeah we've also sold a couple more hoodies haven't we so and we've now got them in a lovely hot pink and a dark gray and a black so all over the social media so yeah. we, we're all we're wearing them at the moment so if you see yeah we'll put some pictures up but yeah so the, they're all nice and cozy keeping us warm yeah they're good they're very good if you fancy joining the gang with a hoodie we've already sold quite a few um, you know we there's details following how to online and order some of them yeah they're actually we've got a shop on facebook now so they're readily available brilliant so that's kind of brought us up to date so what we need to do really introduce our guests that we've got lined up for this episode yep we have first guests for the podcast and it's three guests all in one (laughs) that office mean carry on (laughs) 
Yeah, so um, we've got three young ladies, um, they're very experienced divers, um, so they're going to talk about their journey. Uh, so we've got May Doricott, Inca Cresswell and Grace Westcar. So they've been really kind and not remotely there joining us. And yeah, we're going to carry out a little interview with them. So with no further ado, let's get into the interview. So we are very excited about our first guest to the Big Scuba podcast. They are all excellent divers and have a lot to tell us and inspire us. Welcome to the show, Inca, Grace and May. Welcome everybody, welcome. Hello, uh, my name is <laughs> my name is May, um, and I started diving from the age of twelve. I got into it because my mum's from Malaysia, and we go snorkeling and play around. And then my dad was like, "Oh, I want to give this scuba diving thing a go," so he started. And then I was like, "I want to have a go at that when I can." Um, and then when I turned twelve, I did my paddy. Um, but my dad was a BZAC instructor and he was like, you're going to become BZAC as soon as I can make you one. So then I crossed over to BZAC and because he was an instructor, we were able to do it together, really. Yeah. And I think that's a similar story for all the girls here, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. So you've done quite a bit of, uh, I was looking on your on the history side of things. You, you've done quite a bit on the sort of CCR and stuff like that. You done a bit of yeah. So um, I was able when I was oh god, it's back in 2017 now. I applied for the Rolex scholarship, yeah. and as part of that, I I got to do a lot of different things. But one of them was build up on my diving skills. Um, and I was like, do you know what? I'm never really going to get the chance to learn how to use a rebreather otherwise, really, at this age. So I I decided to learn how to use one of them. And it was it was really cool. A very it's like it is learning how to dive all over again, yeah. um, right from the scratch. It's like everything you learn in scuba diving, forget it. This is this. Um, so it was a really good challenge for me. Yeah, and it's it's it is a really cool way of being underwater, but it is it's only one way. Cut an edge of the technology as far as uh, diving goes, as well, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a new technology, hasn't been out all that long. Well, well interestingly, rebreathers have been around longer than the aqualung have been. Really? Um, it was originally pure oxygen rebreathers. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a bit dangerous now. But they used to use it for, I think they used it for building a tunnel, an underwater tunnel yeah, somewhere. Used for, mm. military as well, wasn't it? Because yeah, it military, yeah. Because you so stealthily to approach things because you have obviously no bubbles. So I thought it was yeah. like developed by the Navy to kind of allow people to have that stealth approach. And then it kind of slowly became scuba and other things. Yeah. So I think it's slowly getting into the recreational market now. And I think it was like, you know, Years ago, people used to poo-poo nitrox and be like, oh, nitrox is a bit dangerous, isn't it? And now look yeah. at it. We use it all the time. So I think that's the same with rebreathers. Um, and to be fair, I never thought I'd do it recreationally. I thought it was always going to be more for media for me or for science. Um, and that's why I, I tried it out. But now I've kind of fallen in love with it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, I think it's a... I think that'll come more widely used and stuff like that. 
I suppose, like everything else, once the price comes down, more on the kit as well, because that's another thing that puts a lot of people off is obviously the price to get into, it, and they're quite expensive things to buy. Oh, goodness, yeah. And even like once you've got it, you think, you know, that's right, I've spent the money now, but even to maintain it, um, yeah. to buy to buy the stuff for it and to keep it going is quite expensive too. It's not yeah. a cheap one for sure. Yeah, well, but, and that's diving, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah exactly exactly you got this to come Gemma yes yeah <laughs> save the pennies yeah at least I've got a few months to save up now haven't I? you have yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah thanks for that mate uh, Grace tell us about yourself yes yeah, so obviously I'm Grace and I started diving when I was 10 and it was kind of almost the same story um, but we used to go on holiday to Egypt a lot when I was younger and my dad i didn't know this but my dad had always wanted to try diving and yeah so when i was 10 he found out that i was able to do it and i think he kind of used it as his excuse almost to, for him to do it and um yeah. yeah so i did my open water with him when i was 10 and when we got back to the uk we kind of just found a club and then never really stopped yeah yeah they're real dad and daughter kind of thing oh yeah definitely and i mean even though my dad doesn't dive anymore. Um, but like, I still, I'm so lucky that he got me into it because otherwise I wouldn't have found what I wanted to do, so. Yeah, what about your mum? Did she dive? Um, no, she couldn't, um, she snorkels, but she doesn't really like fish. <laughs> so like, she, she'll swim, she loves swimming, but like when we were in Egypt, she didn't really like all the fish in the sea and stuff. So no, she didn't do it. <laughs> She's tried it in a pool. <laughs> She's tried it in the pool, but, um, and also the clear and masking, I know a lot of people have problems with that, but yeah, she didn't, she didn't particularly like that, but I was always more of, I would give anything a go. Yeah. It's weird though, you don't really have to take your, once you've done your open water, how often do you take your actual mask off in the tea or wherever? You don't do it. Yeah. Unless, no, I mean, sometimes or, um, yeah, I suppose if your mask gets foggy or whatever, or, I mean, I think the only reason it would actually happen is I have had it kicked off before by someone's fin. Yeah. And I suppose that's more of a panic. It happened to me on the yeah. Thistlegorm in the Red Sea. Oh, right, yeah. It's not yeah. nice when that happens, so I think you have to be prepared for that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it's true. you always got to know the, how to do these things. Okay, mm. cheers, Grace. And Inca? So, just like the... Oh, sorry. I'm Inca. Nice to meet you all. Uh, yeah, just like the other girls, I was kind of brought into it by my family. Um, my entire family scuba dives. So my mom, my dad, my brother, and me. So I was still the youngest in the family, like the last in the family to get into it because I was literally just like waiting to be old enough to finally do those qualifications. And used to watch my whole family go and I would be like, oh, I can't join in yet. I'm not old enough. So literally the second I turned like 11, 12, I was straight in there doing my paddy course. And I'd already been messing around with my dad's equipment in the pool far more than I should have been. So um, it was very much so one of those waiting for that birthday just to be able to tick things off the list. And while my mum and my brother aren't really into diving, my dad is. And it just became just this thing that we always did together. And it was a huge part of our relationship is, um, yeah, any opportunity we get, we'll sneak off for a dive. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. So what do you all do for your jobs? Grace, you're still studying, is that right? Yeah, so I, um, at the moment, I'm in a sixth form college um, called the London Screen Academy. And so, because I want to do what these two do. I want to be in filming or media or something like that, or photography. 
I haven't really decided yet which one. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of helping me to get to that stage, I suppose. Okay, no, that's good. What about you, May? What's your kind of career path from in relation to diving? Um, so I am currently a researcher for a production company based in Bristol, um, researching content for new for a new series, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool. Um, I've been in it for a year now, so I've finished a project, which is going to be really cool. It's a presenter-led thing, which is like Blue Planet 2 meets River Monsters kind of thing. Um, so it's very Americanized, I pre-warn you for that. <laughs> um, but that's going to be really cool and having the diving experience helped me there because I had a few contacts in the industry to help me gain hands on some stories. And then once, you know, going out on a shoot, being a dive supervisor for any in-water activity really. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, what about you, Inka? So my end goal is I want to be a self-shooting producer director in wildlife documentaries. Things like um, like Blue Planet, those big blue chip documentaries. That's that's my goal. So um, at the moment, I do bits of freelance underwater camera work on smaller productions, but I work full time at the moment as a researcher, like May, on a big natural history blue chip which is all underwater and all very very exciting so I'm having a lot of fun doing that. Yeah sounds exciting careers. <laughs> yeah you've got it all to come Grace. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah no that's really good. It's a, it's yeah. a perfect thing if you can um, blend your job in with, with your hobby you know and you're getting paid to do stuff, stuff like that. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely and I think me and May both have a background in marine biology and that, that was partly what kind of pushed us towards this kind of media industry is that it was a chance to really combine that love of science and education, but with this really amazing creative industry there where we get to do what we love and get paid for it, which is pretty cool. It is, isn't it? It'd be interesting to see what comes out in the next sort of 12 months to a year um, after this all settles down with the coronavirus how the pollution levels have all come down and how that's going to affect the marine life and stuff like because it's all going to have an impact isn't it when you take off all these planes and everything that's all stopped uh flying and everything else you know when you there's there's somebody um they, they show a picture i don't know how accurate it is about the, how the levels of pollution had come down and uh that was on uh, I think I was on the, maybe the BBC News or something. And um, it'd be interesting to see how the pollution, how that's all now come down and how that's going to be, how that will affect like marine life and stuff like that, hopefully in a positive way. Hopefully. Definitely. I agree. I think, you know, we have to be careful not to anthropomorphize the planet, but it is a it's kind of like a warning signal, isn't it? You know, we didn't stop and we haven't stopped for a very long time. And suddenly this virus, something from nature has spread amongst us all and made us physically stop in our tracks. And nothing mm. has done this before. Um, and I like to think it's a sign from Mother Nature just being like, hold your horses, guys. Hang on a second. Uh, just pause. And I think obviously it's stressful. A lot of people are having to deal with, you know, not possibly having a job over the next few weeks and obviously family members falling ill. But on the 
big massive scale of it hopefully something positive will come out of this yeah. of um how we should move forward as society yeah yeah and it certainly impacts on every aspect of our life isn't it I think one of the most important things is that hopefully it's going to teach us just to see the value in nature more. I think that kind of looking at how this has come out of the illegal trafficking of wildlife and these wet markets and everything else, it hopefully it will at least make people take pause and go, okay, we need to really respect nature. We need to have a better understanding of wildlife and we need to respect it. And um, I think throughout all of this, I hope that there is a bit of a change in mentality when it comes to our respect for nature. But the question that we've all got then to ask ourselves and nationally and as a, I suppose, as a, a race, do we want to go back to as things were, to normal, or do we use this as a point of saying, right, let's reset and let's change it. Let's change things. You know, do we, as a question, do we want to go back to normality, what that was? I don't know. As there's, you know, it's just something we might want to bear in mind as a maybe as the thing is to do is to say, right, okay, let's not go back to that. Let's move on and be more uh, conscious. Things. Yeah, I think um, it's been really interesting because we've been working from home for the past two weeks. And I know it's not the same for all productions that are happening at the moment in Bristol, I think. A few smaller production houses have had to really stop everything but luckily the project that I'm on has been able to carry on primarily because we're working with a lot of local crews based on locations mm. so we don't have to fly out there we don't have to take all of our gear and I think that might be the way that for our industry anyway we we take this as a learning lesson forward of mm. When do we really need to go to these remote places? Um, how can we reduce our carbon footprint in that way? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's going to be quite um, illuminating to see what happens over the next few months. Yeah. The, it's, uh, it's actually um, made us think uh, on a business uh, side of things, how you can actually work smarter. You know, where rather than just carrying on because you've always had big buildings with big offices with lots of lights burning away and stuff like that. Now it's a case of, right, you know, business has had to change and maybe there is a smarter way of working. And this might be the, there might be a new way of working. Now, obviously, there's going to be times when you can't um, avoid, you know, getting on a plane and stuff like that. But maybe there'll be a point when technology we can use the technology and stuff like that to work a bit smarter so um, hopefully that'd be the the good for everybody and that's the positive you always got to look at the positives yeah definitely <laughs> so when did you last dive whereabouts how about grace i sadly haven't dived in a while i think my last dive was the end of october Oh gosh, it feels like it was forever ago and that's just because um, I went straight into working full time and I'm based in Bristol so it's been harder to access kind of the ocean <laughs> with work but um, yeah I was actually hoping to leave to do some diving very very soon and that's all had to be put on hold. <laughs> we should probably mention for because a lot of our uh, listeners are in America and what have you um, so for us in the UK we'll 
um, although we're all under lockdown, but no, normally a lot of us wouldn't be diving anyway over the winter because of the, the sea is so rough, um, especially on the north side of the UK. Um, and it's just not particularly all that warm, is it? So uh, it's cold climates. It's not impossible, but three degrees water, uh, temperature water. <laughs> not the best not the most yeah. comfortable i know um, we winter just to check over all my kit make sure everything's up and running get everything serviced yeah and then um yeah hold out for those sunny days <laughs> yeah, that's true so what about you grace when did you last dive um i was just trying to remember actually i think it was february i think um so it was quite a while ago as well and now obviously we've got the coronavirus and whatever um, I was supposed to be doing some work experience at Pinewood Studios in the underwater tank thing, but now that can't go ahead, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I don't know when I'm next going to dive either um, because of all of this. And yeah. before February, it was probably September that I last dived. So, yeah, it has been a while. Mm. Yeah, is that just down to the weather in the UK that you have to stop? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, I try and dive in most weathers, but I mean, we got um, the news last year that my dad can't dive anymore. So that was kind of a big shock to me, um, mm. considering that, I mean, he's he's always said, like, at some point I'm going to have to dive without him, but because he had this heart problem, um, unexpectedly in December. Um, yeah, now that's just come to a stop. So now we're sorting out all of his old kit and he's got, given some of it to me, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> we're about well, the same size so. together and stuff like that yeah oh yeah exactly yeah i'm yeah. and we're not we're not completely given up because he's seen a dive doctor now and it's like you think about it people with pacemakers can normally can go back yeah. and dive but because he's got like a defibrillator in his heart now as well they've said he he can't but because they say that if you drop your reg then you'll um, have more chance of drowning underwater which yes it makes sense but then you can get over that problem by like using a full face mask yeah so there's obviously ways to get around it and the doctors have said that um the diving doctors so we're not giving up but yeah, no. yeah. there's often a work around these things isn't there you know so yeah that's good mm. yeah. how about you may well last time in the water was december before the end of season really um, and yeah, I was supposed to be going on a trip to Oban in Easter, and that's been cancelled now. What, diving up there? Yeah, it's supposed to be a, we were going on the Halton, um, the liverboard uh, ran okay. by Bob. Um, and yeah, we were going to take the rebreathers up, but that's been cancelled, unfortunately. Yeah, I was uh, meant to be doing uh, a dive doing some diving up the far nines. Well, you were thinking about going as well, weren't you, Gemma? Yeah. I, I think that will probably get cancelled. I can't see that going ahead. That's um, July, so. I've got my tanks ready in my garage and was greatly debating whether or not it can classify as my one exercise per day. <laughs> but, um, I've decided now that probably... You've got a pond in your garden or something like that. Well, I have got a pond and I've also found this really interesting newt in it. So I am debating whether or not I just like... <laughs> my gear on and try and film it in my pond and I'm pretty sure <laughs> in the next week that will most likely happen. <laughs> um, yeah as soon as the as soon as everything relaxes I will be racing down to Brighton to do some dives under the pier. On the there's on the Plymouth and uh, South Coast side of the UK uh, they've been diving quite a bit all the way through the year 
I think they get the uh, water warmer, water warmer, warm, word out, warmer water come up um, from the south and it stays war, uh, warmer up there. Yeah, well, you get amazing conditions in the winter in Brighton. It's just like, it looks like glass. And I think sometimes our best visibility is in the winter as well. Yeah, so it's been silly to kind of miss out on that opportunity, but um, it's a long way to come down from Bristol. So. Yeah. Dived the uh, the Britain wreck? No, I haven't. That's um, about 20 metres. That's quite a good one. Yeah, that's quite nice. Did that a few years ago, that's quite nice. Yeah, same cool. <laughs> Have you dived all over the UK? I haven't. There's a lot of UK diving that I need to catch up on. Um, I actually lived in California for four years. I moved out there when I was 18. So I did tons of my diving, I was all around the California coast, working for my professors as a scientific diver. And then um, I was living out in Indonesia for a couple of years. So I've only actually been back in the UK for about a year and a half since I was 18. So um, yeah, need to catch up on some UK diving for sure. Yeah. How about you, Grace? Whereabouts do you mostly dive? Do you, is it just inland or sea? Um, mostly inland. I think we've been to basically, I don't know, I think there's only one dive site that we haven't, that I know of, that we haven't done um, in the UK. Um, Well-known one anyway. Um, but yeah, so my local is Raysbury, which is what everyone calls the muddy puddle. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've done a few sea dives in the UK, um, like Celsius. Celsius is quite nice on the South Coast. Um, but most other places are quite hard to get to from here. But we're lucky with the inland stuff. It's all just like a couple of hours on the motorway and then you're, you're there. And I think probably some of my favourites were we did some in the Lake District and up north near Cape and Ray and stuff like that. Those dive sites, were all, they're so nice. You've done uh, Chepstow as well, haven't you? Oh, yeah, Chepstow. Yeah, I love Chepstow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do as well. So clear there. Yeah, the facilities are great there as well. I really like that dive site. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, they got the plane fuselage, haven't they? Where you can go oh, swim through it. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to get the photo that everyone has <laughs> with like the silhouette there. It looks so cool. And loads of iron boards. Random yeah, iron for some reason. Yeah, iron boards. Yeah, yeah, there's like iron boards. boards and um, uh, what else? Watch machines. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of random stuff like that. What's the idea of the run? <laughs> How about you, mate? Uh, UK dive sites. Mm. Um, inland, so back home where I learnt. So Cape and Way, Cape and Way, Cape and Ray <laughs> was one of our locals, and then my real local pond was Eccleston Delft. Um, which is renowned for its bad visibility, but it's an excuse to get wet. And then, um, yeah, I've been lucky, really. I've done, well, I went to Plymouth Uni so, and I did the diving course there. So we, I was able to explore the waters around there quite a bit. And then our little dive trips used to be to like North Wales, um, around Anglesey, which is amazing. Um, Pembroke, which is another amazing spot if you can get to go around like Skomer Island with all the puffins, that's an amazing dive spot. Mm -hmm. yeah. The farms is incredible. Yeah. The seals there are just 
like literally like swimming with dogs and then yeah was lucky to do some North Scotland stuff a few years ago too and that is so underrated it really is um so I was excited this year actually to do more UK diving um yeah. not travel too much and just get more in the water around here but it feels like it's all been scuppered hopefully not for long yeah yeah, well, it sounds inspiring. You know, it's a bit. It's inspiring for me to hear that. So obviously, when I can do it, so no, yeah. there are plenty of places closer to home rather than yeah, sort of have to travel. But have you done lots of diving across the rest of the world? Um, yeah, luckily I've been very, very lucky. And again, my diving, um, where I, where I really, truly learnt to dive was Malaysia just because we were lucky to go there with the family to visit my mum's side. But then again, as part of the Rolex scholarship, um, I, I traveled quite a bit during that year. And I, one of my goals was to try and dive in as many different habitats as possible. Hmm. Um, and I managed to do that. I did a dive in Denmark and, <laughs> and it was bizarre. It was so flat and shallow. And but it was amazing. It was the, the biggest seagrass bed I've ever seen. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and some really cool sites like New Zealand, amazing temperate uh, diving there, and then some other spots too. Yeah, yeah been very lucky. So you mentioned the Rolex um, sponsored diving. So tell us about that because that's that's under another organisation, isn't it? They sponsor. Yeah. So there's um, a society, it's classed as a charity, it's called the Our World Underwater Scholarship Society and each year they offer three scholarships sponsored by Rolex. So one person from Australia wins it, one person from Europe and one person from North America and that person has to have some sort of academic background, that could be underwater archaeology, media, medicine, anything under the sun as long as you combine it with your interest in scuba diving. Mm -hmm. So mine was marine biology and science communication. Um, and you can create your own itinerary for the year, utilizing the network of the society, tap into like people based anywhere in the world and go learn from them. And it, yeah, probably it's basically an internship but with all the whistles and bells you can imagine. Wow. Yes, that really sets you on a path, doesn't it? Must have given you a good like springboard. Yeah, it, yeah, it really did. And I don't like to, I don't like to define myself because of it. But it, I cannot deny that that year really did enhance everything about me, not just diving wise, but as a person, like traveling around, meeting people. Um, being self-sufficient on your own but having that responsibility of being called the Rolex scholar it's quite a lot of pressure um, so it, I really grew during that year and I think that made me just as much as all the diving did. Mm. Yeah. Is that something that you'll be looking to give a go Grace? Oh 100% yeah <laughs> I've, as soon as I got back from the go diving show because I'd heard of it before but I didn't really know what it was and then when I heard, I spoke to so many people at the Go Diving Show and they were like, oh, have you heard of this? And I was like, yeah, I know, really want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been looking on their website and, um, yeah, I'm already planning what I'm going to do now so I can get into it. 
hopefully hey. fingers crossed. Yay! <laughs> well, that's really good because you've got a couple of years. I suppose it's twenty-one. You have to be, isn't it, before you can apply? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah so I've yeah. got to think about university first because I wasn't really sure on university. I was still kind of making up my mind, and I obviously still wouldn't want to go to university just because I wanted to do the scholarship. But I think that I've looked at a few courses now that I could do. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so are you going to do kind of screen production that you're... Yeah, I hope so. Something like um, media, film. Um, I was maybe I was maybe looking at photography, I think, because I kind of missed that because now I'm doing just film and I used to do photography at GCSE level. I do miss that a lot. So I might go back to photography, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's... yeah. And Inca, have you travelled kind of worldwide diving? I have. I've been very, very lucky. So, um, yeah, I did, obviously, because I did my, I studied marine biology in San Diego and California. So I did tons of diving on the California coast, which is just beautiful, kelp forests, crystal clear water at times, terrible visibility at others, um, and huge waves and freezing cold. But I learned a lot about kind of, yeah, I think that took my diving skills to a, a new level because you were dealing with such challenging conditions, but I was also working underwater instead of just diving recreationally. And then after I graduated, I started working for the Waterman Project and we did um, shark tagging conservation work around the world. And that gave me some amazing opportunities to dive in places like the Socorro Islands tagging sharks and Bimini in the Bahamas. And we did whale sharks and La Paz and just all sorts of insanely cool it sounds terrible. It was awful, awful, <laughs> <laughs> terrible decision. Um, you know, I had the absolute best time and um, that was run by William Winram, who's an incredible freediver. So I also just learned so much more about the water and gained a new respect for the underwater world from working with him. And um, that was fascinating. And then I went to Indonesia to do my dive master and my dive instructor. I spent some time out there, but then I've always just been a huge hobbyist diver as well. So anytime I've saved up enough money, I travel purely to go diving rather than to see the topside world. It's just entirely focused on the underwater. So um, yeah, done lots of diving kind of in all sorts of places. And then last year during my MA, I had the opportunity to film in Jamaica, Yap and Palau underwater, which was very cool as well. Wow, yeah, it's amazing. So have you been involved in some kind of shark charity? Is this? Yeah, so the Waterman Project is a nonprofit organization and it's basically, it's an, it's an NGO that basically works to tag sharks. So they help with scientific research. And what William does, which is really amazing, is he can basically free dive to 140 plus meters on one breath. And he right. can hold his breath for like six, seven, eight minutes, something crazy and sounds insane. Um, and they use modified spear guns. So it means that we can basically tag the sharks in a really non-invasive way. Mm -hmm. So rather than the traditional practice of kind of catching the shark and then bringing it up on board, we can actually just tag them while they're still in the water. So it's a much less stressful scenario for the sharks. And it means that we can gain that really interesting data as to where they're traveling, how they're using the space. And that can all feed into marine biologists' work and understanding the species, but also understanding how to create marine protected areas to ensure that you are protecting these species as best as you possibly can. Mm. And what was his name, William? William Winram. <laughs> Winram. Winram. Yeah. <laughs> and he will, he'll go down as deep as what, 140 metres? Yeah, he's a, he used nice. to hold a world champion for um, 
by fins swimming down to crazy depths. Um, but yeah, over 140 meters. Um, but I, I haven't watched him do those dives, but I used to watch him casually swim down to 70, 80 meters and just sit on the floor and just wait for the shark. And I would just sit there and ah at the surface going, I have no idea how you're doing that. I'm going to grab my scuba tank and I'll meet you down there. <laughs> it's amazing, uh, absolutely amazing to do, be able to do that. Big Ben yeah. in Westminster is 100 meters high. So he's going down higher, well, deeper than what that is high. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible. And he'd do it over and over and over again. Like we would sometimes, we would go out on the boats and our field research would start the second the sun came up and he would be out there all day just doing these repetitive dives down to 70 plus meters and waiting for these sharks. And yeah, it was fascinating working with him. It was a really, really interesting experience. Yeah, pretty amazing. All this free diving, you know, it's when you start looking at scuba diving, then you realise, oh, there's other things like free diving and this mono thing. It seems quite popular and you think, wow, so much. It's be a mermaid. Yeah, be a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually got, at the Go Diving Show, I got made to put like a mermaid thing on. What do you call it? A mono. You loved it. It was pink, wasn't it? It's just like... <laughs> Yeah, my daughter's my daughter honey she's done that she loved it as well i've got a friend that's actually a professional mermaid really and she's incredible i watch her in the water and she's elegance that's just like mind-boggling so does she they, do like shows and stuff she used to do shows like theater performances like in water as a mermaid and now she just does free diving but she has this ability to move like theatrically through the water because of her training as a professional mermaid and she can get closer to any marine creature that I've ever seen. And they seem to just play with her. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she's a mermaid. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Have, have, have you tried it, Grace and May? The mermaid? I haven't. No, I was looking at it at the Go Diving show, actually. And I thought, it looks interesting. I don't know if I would suit a mermaid tail, though. I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the year before, actually, at the um, Go Diving show in 2019. Yeah, they had... Um, this mermaid, professional mermaid from America come and like meet all the kids and stuff. And that was really cute getting to see them. They all thought she was an actual mermaid and getting pictures with her and stuff, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Now I've, um, I've tried before for some friends to at least just have no mask on my face underwater. And mm -hmm. they've just been like, look nice for heaven's sake, at least try to look pretty. And I'm like, I'm trying, but it's so hard to look pretty underwater without a mask on we actually did a we did sort of a photo shoot didn't we in like evening there in the pool just to try and do a bit of a promotional thing but it was difficult <laughs> not easy no, definitely no even not. holding your breath not easy no. <laughs> especially when you wear contact lenses as well yeah contact mm. lenses in the pool is not great no, no. <laughs> yeah. But well, taking the mask off, I didn't find too bad. And clearing the mask, it was just all right. You've done all right. You'll be a natural. Hmm? You'll be a natural in the walk. Oh, I'm going to be a trout. That's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what, what sort of advice, you know, I've got a young daughter coming up and she does love uh, diving. What sort of advice would you give to other young girls who are now coming up or young boys, I suppose, as well, who think about getting, who 
learning to dive and thinking about a career in some diving related industry or you know what, what sort of advice would you give them um i think that i mean what i would say is it doesn't come natural to everyone and i kind of thought when um and I mean, I love girls at scuba, don't get me wrong, but when I joined, one of the first posts I saw was like, oh, I just did my first open water dive. I absolutely loved it and everything. Um, and I remember doing my first open water dive and I was fine in the pool, but then as soon as I got into the sea, I kind of did have a bit of a panic. And I thought, whoa, this is so scary. And I said to them, I was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it, I don't wanna do it. Um, once I actually went down, I was okay, but it still wasn't the most comfortable thing, I suppose, because, I mean, especially if you're smaller or if the kit's quite big and it's heavy, mm. um, and if you haven't got the right technique yet, then it can feel quite uncomfortable at times. But I think once, just keep practicing, and then it should get easier, it should get more comfortable, and then hopefully after that, you'll find that you love it even more. Yeah. I think um, you three are, are really good champions and examples to... Uh, give to such a young girl to think about learning to dive and progressing in the career of diving um, you know and it's one of the objects of our podcast is to really do our part to encourage more girls to get into diving because it is a very male orientated sport isn't it and, you know Gemma you know one of the things that we're doing with Gemma is Gemma's talking about her route her journey of diving not just about like what skills are but actually how it feels for you because and with some of the letters that we've had uh for some of the listeners have said you know um they can relate to some of the things that Gemma and i guess you you three as well of when you've learned to dive all those years ago you know uh, the nerves of taking a mask off in the water and stuff like that for the first time this is surprising how much something like that puts people off you know you said it as well grace didn't you about you know that your mum off and, mm -hmm. and it's something like that can put people off from and from diving so it'd be good to try and you know see more typically more girls get into the, into diving and stuff and um and i'm conscious of my daughter who's at the moment nine um that'd be great to see her follow your footsteps in years to come where you know if, if she can get into a great job doing like you know the things that you do be brilliant you know be certainly something i'd like to see her do you know so that'd be really good i think definitely like having a good instructor is so so important and just for my time working as a dive instructor it is shocking how many people struggle with those little things like taking their mask off or the first time they're in the open ocean and the waves crashing over and they feel uncomfortable with all the gear and I just think that for so many people, I can completely understand why it's off-putting. Like you essentially are, you're wearing life of support equipment underwater and some people aren't even strong swimmers. So I think it's just making sure that you have an instructor you can trust, but also don't feel like you need to keep up with everybody in your group. Yeah. I think it's quite rare that when you're diving, you do get that one-on-one -on -one tuition. So you kind of, you're in a group of four or five people and I see students who get nervous because they don't want to hold up the group or they say that they feel comfortable with something when they haven't actually mastered it yet. Mm -hmm. And I think building up just that, just make sure that you kind of keep that dialogue with your instructor, tell them that you wanna run over something a few times. And the more you practice, the more that you literally end up just taking your mask off. I take my mask off all the time on dives because mm -hmm. it doesn't phase me at all anymore. And so many of my friends that are instructors and tech, technical divers, 
they'll do their safety stop without their mask on a lot of the time just to get themselves back into the habit of okay how do I go through these emergency procedures and I think like just making sure that you keep practicing those things on every dive you do so that in the scenario worst case scenario you suddenly have a strong current it knocks your mask off your dive buddy kicks your mask off you're not going to panic and I think especially if you want to go into diving into this professional industry, like as a camera operator, working on wildlife documentaries, diving has to be second nature because you have so much other stuff to focus on. So the more that you can make it just this really, really easy thing that you don't need to think twice about, the better you'll be in all of those industries. So practice as much as you possibly can. Make sure you have mentors and people you can work with just so that they can show, like, help you learn those skills and go over those skills as much as possible. And then I'm sure they'll, they'll have no trouble and have a really amazing experience. Yeah, hey, it's, it's good advice actually from all three mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. How about you, May? Um, May? Yeah, no, I think being comfortable underwater is key. And you have to always remember why you're doing it as well. What's the purpose? Why are you scuba diving? Um, is it to keep up with everyone else? Is it just for the Instagram picture or is it, is it for another purpose? I think the, as Inka was saying, the more comfortable you are, it's become second nature. And especially moving forward, if you want to utilize diving in your career, it has to be second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tool at the end of the day to get you from the surface to the bottom. Um, and obviously we enjoy it. We enjoy the whole process but ultimately it's a tool to do a job um, whether that is to you know just take you to the underwater world recreationally and to see all this wonderful life or if it's to film or if it's to take data um, yeah it is ultimately an amazing tool um, and if you remember why you're doing it there shouldn't be any pressure and you should if you have good instructors instructors like Inka was saying it should be a wonderful process um, and you should never ever feel the pressure other than underwater pressure (laughs) (laughs) well linked (laughs) yeah because when I saw your um, interview at the Go Diving show it was just like a total inspiration it just like you know really made me feel happy that I was you know going to start learning to scuba dive I'm sure everybody else that was there would have been, yeah, totally inspired yeah, by it. And, you know, that's what we want to do in terms of the podcast, you know, convey that kind of yeah, passion out there. And, you know, it is just like another world, I guess it is, isn't it? So, yeah, so, yeah, it's really good. But what's your kind of view? Where do you see yourselves in, say, five years? Time. <laughs> Um, let me think about that one. Someone else? <laughs> I want to be uh, on rebreather. I was supposed to be doing it next month, but Corona's just put a spanner in all the works. But um, definitely on rebreather. Hopefully doing a lot more camera work um, and carrying on to work on um, big underwater productions, preferably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I just want to hopefully do the Rolex scholarship um, and then maybe have a better idea whether I want to go into wildlife for actual like feature film making because i've at the moment the college that i'm at mainly promotes stuff like um we don't do a lot of the wildlife stuff we do more um tv and films 
Mm-hmm. And I'm quite, I am quite interested in that. And I think the work experience that I was supposed to be doing would have been really good. Um, so hopefully I'll get to do that soon. But yeah, so I don't know, maybe just what I want is just to have a, do- a job in diving of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a, it's a funny one because the, the little girl dream was to always work in TV and I'm doing it now, which is pretty amazing. I have to keep on pinching myself, but um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. And I think up until this point, especially, you know, when you are younger, you're always asked, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? What are you doing next? Um, And, you know, you're like, oh, do my A-levels, do my GCSEs, go to uni, maybe take a gap year, and then you get a job. And right now, I'm just thoroughly enjoying what I'm doing and I want to become really good at this before I do anything further and I think just generally you know I don't know what it looks like as a job um, but whatever it is I want to just be working in the underwater world have diving as a part of that I mean I'm not diving every day I'm on I'm in an office every day let's face it Um, but I want to just be engaged in the underwater world with whatever I do in the future and whatever that may be, it's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, as you know, you can just see the passion coming out of you. It's, it's really good, yeah. And it's just, you know, you think of it, obviously like Ian's daughter, you know, that all these possibilities and potential of all these different career paths and, yeah. you know, diving is never spoken about when you're at school and you're talking about your career mm-hmm. and it's just, yeah. It's just not something that yeah you, you consider. So you know that's why it's so important to try and encourage yeah, so many more younger people as well to get into diving. Yeah. And there's so many jobs in diving as well. Like it's not just TV, film, photography. Like you have people like you're saying about doing underwater archaeology, and there's commercial diving, and and just working as a dive instructor. But there's also there's just so much going on. Like yeah, and a limitless opportunity for jobs. You can do anything underwater. <laughs> Yeah, you really can. I think, um, you know, not to plug it too much, but if you look at what the scholars have gone on to do, there's quite, um, it's quite a few of us now. There's a bit of an army. It's been going on for a couple of years. And the range of things that they do, like the last scholar, Eric, he's really into Arctic biology. And so, you know, he was in Antarctica. Now he's in Svalbard. The current scholar, Kim, is a vet. And she's been exploring like all the stuff you could do with being a vet underwater, you know, taking care of turtles Um, and away from marine biology. Yeah, you have underwater archaeology, you have hyperbaric medicine as well It's a huge, huge area. Like we still don't know a lot about what happens to us physiologically underwater. And, you know, you could really explore that side and just pure exploration as well, you know. And the underwater world has been less explored than the moon. Like that's a fact we throw around all the time. So even if you just generally just want to see something new, the underwater world has it. Yeah. I think that's why it's so captivating for us all. I agree. Because it is a magical place. And every time you go under, there's something new to see, even if you're at the same dive site. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Like dream riding sometimes, isn't it? When you see all the weeds and the different ore and stuff like that, it's brilliant. Yeah. 
It really is. Sorry, my dogs are going nuts. Do <laughs> 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 you look not up to any particular divers in the industry? You have like some role models that kind of inspired you? Um, definitely when I started, I didn't have any at all. I think that was really weird to think back on. Like, I didn't know anyone that was diving. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know anything about it anyway. Um, but now, I mean, I think probably, I mean, most people I've met at like dive shows and stuff, all of them have been pretty inspirational to me. Um, but I think I, last year I interviewed, um, Jill Hyneth and she's like an explorer and she, oh, she was just so cool. And I read her book recently and it's just, she, I think she's really great. The photos are amazing. Oh, they really are. Yeah. I love them so much. And I mean, when <laughs> I became friends with her on Facebook and I was like, oh my God, I was like being a fangirl. Be <laughs> good to have a lot interview her on the podcast. Be really good. That, that would be great. I, I was looking at the questions that you sent and I saw the last question is, who would you want to see on the podcast? And I was going to say her actually, yeah. yeah. That's definitely who I would like to hear. Yeah, that's good. How about you and Kev? There's so many people. I'm like, my book self is just a hundred different stories all by different people underwater doing all sorts of things. And it's just endless. There's so many people that misled me for so many completely different reasons. Um, Dr. Sylvia Earle, of course, because she's just like her mm -hmm. deepness and just, yeah, she's everything about her and her story I find fascinating. Jacques Cousteau, because the entire way that he just brought this <laughs> underwater world to an entire new audience in a way that was unimaginable. And then there's other people like um, Dr. Andrea Marshall, who I find fascinating with the work that she does and her kind of much more current and media savvy approach to science. There's, it's an endless list of people. Um, yeah, <laughs> so many fantastic people to follow. How about you, May? Well, all those names spring to mind. And um, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, oh, do you know who would just be really cool to hang out with? It was Lottie Hands and the two hands. They were class. They just looked like proper retro divers um, and looked good doing it as well. So for looked the people who don't know who they are, they're like, um, they were a couple, hands and hands. Like the original, the original yeah. <laughs> Similar period to Jack Cousteau. Yeah. Um, and they used to make underwater films. Um, Valerie Taylor, right. who is another Australian. Um, she was one of the first people to dive with a great white shark um, and film them. So she's amazing. Um, and more current a more current person who I really look up to is um, Dr. Sonia Rowley. Um, she's a marine biologist based out in Hawaii and she uses rebreathers to dive down to ridiculous depth, 140 meters, doing six hour long dives on remote reefs and collecting new data on species never before seen. And um, I think that's really cool. You know, she's really dominating this zone, the twilight zone, which is too deep for normal scuba and too shallow for ROVs. And so no one else is really looking at it. Um, and so she's a modern day woman in science explorer who I absolutely adore. There's not many people in that field either, is there? Not going down to those sort of depths because a friend of the podcast, Andy Torbett, was telling us about 
Yeah, yeah. Some of the th- things that he he'll look at as those sort of depths and stuff for his camera work. Yeah. There's many people in that field who do that sort of work. I think you have to have a, a a particular mindset to be able to do stuff like that. And I think again, when you end up doing those kind of dives, you really do have to have that as second nature. Um, because something goes wrong and you're quite deep you can't just immediately come up you have to be able to do all your decompression stuff so you've got to be able to know your equipment inside out Mm. and to be able to be so calm underwater in those kind of situations I really admire and you know it's one day I want to hopefully be able to be like that you know, I mean, 20 metres down, I'm fine, but 100 odd metres down, I'm <laughs> not going to lie, I might panic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you put it in comparison to Big, big Ben, it kind of puts it into perspective. Yeah. 100 metres high, yeah, yeah, that's how big it is. Back to yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got any people that you'd really love to dive with, I think that was one of our questions about... Um, Anybody from history or a famous person that you think would be particularly? And if they're a non-diver, you could say they, you could snorkel with them. I'd love to go diving with David Attenborough in a full face mask, just narrating oh. my dive. <laughs> that <Awesome. would> be- <laughs> That's actually a really good answer. I didn't think of David Attenborough. That would be so cool. Can you imagine going diving with David Attenborough? <laughs> um, I watched the documentary and I can't remember... If- for the life of me, what like what they're called, or whether I think they're from Japan, but they're like um, they're like free divers and they dive for pearls and stuff. And um, there's not many of them left now, apparently, and they're all like quite old. But it's like the picture that you see. I think there's a viral photo that goes around, and it's like this old granny with like a circle mask on and stuff. And but they can hold their breath for so long, and they work literally every single day of their whole lives diving for pearls to get money and stuff. And um, I just think they're really cool. I'd like to go diving with them, learn a few things. <laughs> but you, man. There's so many people that I'd love to learn from, um, like David Dublay, um, people like that, amazing underwater storytellers. But if I think I had to take, if I had to go on a dive tomorrow with someone who's never dived before, I'd want to take my mum diving. Um, she's, she loves being in the water, but she's quite, she'll always snorkel with a life jacket. She'd hate me saying that. Um, <laughs> But I just, I really want to be able to show her what, what I, why I'm so addicted. Be nice yeah, why me and my dad are both addicted. I think she'd understand why my dad spends more time at the local VZAC club then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Well, maybe one day it might happen. <laughs> that's good. We, yeah, another question we had was, um, who would you like to hear next on the podcast? Or have you got any advice or people you'd like to hear from because obviously we'd like to do yeah more interviews um i mean i think <laughs> obviously if you're aiming high jill highness um but someone who gives really good talks i think is gary dallas i did my sidebound course with him if you want to talk about maybe he's quite high i don't know what level he is he's quite high up though if you want to talk maybe from more uh, professional sides um, he kind of gets into tech diving as well and he's done lots of cool dives and stuff and his photography is really great as well so yeah, yeah he'll be cool Let's see if we can maybe contact him and uh, see if he fancy comes on um, how about you Inka? it's really it's a tricky one I think someone who would could be really good is um, Vanessa from Reef Patrol 
she does some really fantastic online kind of tutorials on how to use cameras underwater. And I think she just has a really fast, fantastic insight for anyone who's starting off and wants to start telling their own stories about the underwater world. Then she's a really brilliant person for kind of bringing things to that beginner level where they can start to kind of craft their own underwater stories. Mm. Yeah, because you've got a YouTube channel, haven't you? So I do. It's a, an incredibly neglected channel that I think <laughs> I set up when everyone thought they needed to have a YouTube channel. And um, yeah, I can't quite remember what's on that. So thank you for that. Yeah, I had a quick look. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're films you've made, are they? On my, on my YouTube channel, when I was doing stuff for the Watermen Project, I did some very, very rough kind of little vlogs yeah. that were just like day in the life of a marine biologist. Uh, it was, our main priority was not filming. We were just there to do the research. But we kind of thought, oh, well, we're going out and swimming with these giant sharks every day. You should tell people about this. So it started kind of just doing little vlog interviews at the end of each day and then just like roughly cutting them together on iMovie at the end of the night and uploading them on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah no, I had a quick yeah. look and yeah, really good. <laughs> You'll get a lot of me just like in hysterical laughter after a dive going, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a lot of valuable content. Um, but yeah, I actually just finished wrapping on my own film which has been playing at some film festivals and there should be, I have a load of kind of additional content from a lot of the scientists that I worked with during that production, which will eventually most likely end up on my YouTube channel. So there will be some improved content coming soon. <laughs> yeah, but for, I mean, for anybody that is into YouTube and making films, at least that gives them another dimension that they can go potentially underwater as well. So yeah. yeah. How about you, May? Um, do they have to be a diver? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've just been racking my brains and not, I mean, there's loads of people who I think you need to talk to. Um, but just that sprung to mind just then was one of my old professors at Plymouth, uh, Professor John Spicer. And he was probably one of the most inspirational people I've ever listened to. Um, and who really engaged me with the marine world and the variety of biodiversity underwater um, he's got this really thick Scottish accent and just can hold a crowd and I remember my last ever lecture with him I cried <laughs> wow. and I actually started clapping and got the whole lecture theatre to clap along because it was one of the most inspirational things I've ever listened to and especially as a young person trying to find their feet listening to someone like that just share their wisdom and their passion um it was incredible and i i want more people to listen to him so if you can get him to talk on your podcast um that would be great yeah so it's amazing how some people can capture an audience and hold it and you know about something that they're passionate about i think it's quite an amazing art really isn't it to be able to do that so uh yes yeah, he sounds really good Thanks. Yeah, I think that's most of the questions covered, isn't it? So, yeah, any I think questions so. for us or for Ian? Have you got any other questions? How did you guys get into diving? What made um, you want to dive? One of my friends, one of my friends uh, started diving, and um, it kind of, it was, I was listening to him. He was saying about how much he enjoyed it and stuff like that. And I thought, well, it was one of the things that I wanted to do for quite a while. And but always there was always something else that cropped up and 
and never got around to do it. And, and I thought, right, this year I'm going to do it. So I did. And, uh, and uh, brilliant. I actually started riding at the same time as I learned to dive. And, um, you know, it was another passion of mine. And I really enjoyed it enjoyed them both but the my time went more with learning to dive and stuff like that i suppose and i uh, went down that route um still dive uh still ride sorry but the i enjoy the dive master side of things as well and it's just a whole another element where you know you can kind of um, you move on from the actual thinking about just you to thinking about other people and you know how you can get encouraged more people into the sport and stuff like that and um, uh, you can expand your friendships and things like that and I think that's, it's, it's always amazed me how once you start the, the diving route you don't know where it's going to lead you know you know you meet new people you, you've learned new skills and you know and as you, you guys are proven you know you, you're building a whole career and involving the Ivan and marine life and stuff like that. I think it's brilliant. And Gemma, Gemma's now starting her exciting new journey. Yeah, well, yeah, a bit of a, yeah. So, well, I mean, I met Ian at the gym because I'm a bit of a gym junkie. And you know, it was just really through that that, you know, started thinking, well, I just like new challenges. So, well, give diving a go. What else have I done? I've done with kayaking, paddle boarding this last year. <laughs> You know, started to learn to ride, <laughs> so not just open to anything really. So, we'll give anything a go. So, yeah, and I think you have to do it for your own. You know, it just makes you feel more alive. You can't just, you know, get stuck in a rut. And I think you know a lot of people do, but you just have to, yeah, try something new and yeah. So yeah, you go with it. It's a journey. It is a journey. I hate to use that word, but I can't think of another. Is <laughs> a it's a it's a path. Where you don't know where it's going to go, and you kind of just got to go with it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. e equally, it does kind of widen your friendships as well. Yeah, because you know, obviously, just starting to learn to dive and meeting the people at the dive centre. You know, it's a real friendly bunch, and you, you know, it's just an extra sort of dimension to your life, really. So yeah, and I'm sure mm -hmm. it obviously yeah will grow and grow. And, you know, hearing about you guys, you've just had so many contacts, you know, worldwide, and yeah, you know, that's the extent that it can go to. So. It's pretty endless, really, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. It is. And especially like the whole path and the journey thing, like as cheesy as it is, I think you're totally right. And I think the beauty of this sport is that you can create your own path in it. You know, you, you follow the, the motions of doing your courses, but once you've got it, you can really do whatever you want with it. Um, and I think that's the most special thing about this. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. You know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, for our listeners who have been listening to you three, um, talking about and given, hopefully giving them inspiration to dive more and stuff like that as well, um, where can they find you? you Inca, we mentioned you've got YouTube. Are you, are you guys all on social media and stuff like that? When, you know, how can people find you and um, sort of keep up with what you three are up to? So the best way to follow me is probably through my website, which is just www.inkcresswell.com. Um, on Instagram at inkcresswell. Okay. So we'll, if, if that's okay, we can put, mention you on our credits here, yeah, and hopefully they'll you know uh, come across onto your website. Yeah. How about you, May? Have you got like a website, or is it Instagram? Um, I used to, but I don't really do that anymore. Um, 
just because I haven't really had the time. Um, but I'm just Instagram now, really. Um, yeah. At May KLD. Um, yeah, I'm mainly, I have a website, but that's mainly for photography. So, and you can find that through my Instagram, which is scuba.grace. Yeah. yeah, I think we follow you, don't we, on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, everyone, that's my name now at school. Everyone just calls me Scuba Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go from Jim Gem to Scuba Gem. Scuba Gem. Cool. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I'm trying to get Mermaid to stick, but it's not. Oh, oh that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I like that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, coming on yeah thank you very much all of you brilliant yeah it's been great and thank you for yeah spending your time to yeah do this on a saturday afternoon got nothing else to do <laughs> no no thank you for having me thank you for having yes, us thank you you're welcome yeah it's really nice to see you three so yeah all right okay. take care everyone all right bye then yeah. bye see you soon bye. 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 <laughs> so that was the interview with May, Inka and Grace. So thank you very much for the three of them for spending uh, the afternoon with us. It was really interesting. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Brand new experience using Zoom and seeing the girls in their remote locations. So that worked really well. That was really good. So I think, yeah, that's episode four all finished. And we'll be yeah. back with episode five quite quite soon. And we'll have another exciting guest on that show as well. Certainly will. Just tell you quietly, Gemma, our next guest is very well known. I'm actually quite excited. I know you are as well. Uh, well I'm looking forward to it. So do tune in for episode five and potentially episode two. See you for now. Bye. Bye.